The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Earnings, a rate hike, and why does core PCE matter so much? That's all on the way. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show for the final weekend of July. We are glad you're here. Got a bunch coming up, but a couple of things in particular. The IRS now has lots of extra money. What are they doing with that? How about this? More funding, more enforcement. That's on the way. So is Ask Annex. And toward the end of the show, Annex Executive. What is it and how does it work and is it right for you? I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. You've been a busy boy this week. Actually, the whole market has been. Let's see, what should we get to first? Pile of earnings that came in. Well, it was another solid week for the markets. The S&P closed up about one percent the nasdaq up two small caps up one and international equities did well as well essentially we had 134 s&p reports this week and for the most part they were very good large mega cap companies like alphabet meta microsoft and intel all reported better than expected results we heard about pricing power from procter and gamble we know the airlines continue to do well the banks set a firm tone at the beginning of earnings season so when you look at the data Essentially, the beat rates are a little bit above average. Uh, The revenue beats are a little bit below average, but all in all, a much better than feared earnings report season. In the case of like an Alphabet and a Meta, we're talking more of ad sales, I guess, because it's way too early for anything AI related. Right. Uh, Meta had better than expected growth in user numbers and revenue per user. So that was good. In addition, they've been cutting costs. You know, people were very concerned about their expenditures in the metaverse a year ago. They've dramatically pulled back on those expenditures. So they've done quite well. And then Google had really strong ad sales. Search accelerated nearly 300 basis points, a 5% year-on-year. YouTube was strong, and cloud revenue growth of 28% year-on-year was another bright spot. You know, Microsoft never used to really be this burner of a company or a stock, but they've been on a tear, haven't they? Well, there's a lot of AI enthusiasm around Microsoft, but their Azure business, which is their web services division where they compete against Amazon primarily, has been really strong. It was up 27% year on year. And this is a big company. So when you're posting year on year growth rates of 27%, you're doing something right. In addition, the other thing that the Microsoft CEO said was he was talking about data. And so when you think about AI, we don't necessarily know who the big winner is going to be on the back end, but you do know that data is necessary. So you want to focus on companies that are monetizing data. NVIDIA being a prime example. How many of these companies are going to need to pour enormous amounts of money into the development of their AI? And is that a drag on earnings? Well, I think it could be ultimately... Again, you know, it does benefit larger companies because the expenditures associated with that and actually training your data. Remember, you've got to catalog your data in order to build AI that can help you improve your business processes. That does require a significant investment. So in some ways, you could say the impact is going to be more long dated, not right now, but over time. The Fed decision on Wednesday, story, non-story about we definitely saw it coming. Well, it was as expected. They did raise 
25 basis points. Powell suggested that they are going to be even more focused on the data because they understand that monetary policy acts with a lag and they only began raising rates March of last year. So the lag effects have yet to be felt. But with this strong economy, the strong labor market and the like, I think the expectation is they may continue to hike rates, but it will be based on the data. We do expect to see some sort of uptick in inflation in the coming months because gasoline prices are much stronger. Oil prices as well are up. Iron ore futures are up. So there's a lot of commodity rebounding in terms of price. So the good news on inflation continues to be a disinflationary trend, but there are going to be hiccups along the way. In our final minute, let's talk about PCE. What is that and what did we see and why does that matter? Well, on Friday, you know, we had a kind of a tough day on Thursday where we opened, made new highs and then closed very weak. But there were three good economic data points that we saw on Friday. One was PCE. That's the the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. It came in at 3.8 versus a 4% expectation. So that suggested that inflation is going in the right direction. In addition, we saw the jobless claims were a little bit weak. And also, earlier in the week, we got a very strong GDP report up 2.4%. Now, I don't know many economists who at the beginning of the second quarter thought GDP would be that strong. Let's talk a little bit more about GDP after we take a break. Let's dig down on that a little bit. You know, folks, we do the week in review so you can be better informed, and it helps that we got a strong investment team, always available on demand wherever you get your favorite podcasts like Spotify or Apple, also on the Axiom newsletter. Sunday, July 30th, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show. We will be right back on 92.5 Fox News. It was bound to happen. Over your career, investments came along for the ride. The first 401k, brokerage account, profit sharing, stock options, pension, another 401k, an insurance policy, an annuity. You get the picture. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've seen, reviewed, dissected, discussed, and analyzed thousands of them. Some portfolios are like well-tended gardens and reflect diligence, patience, fortitude, and optimism. Others tell the story of being sold commission products that might not have been the best choice, maybe for the salesperson, but not for the investor. When the financial planning team at Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions based on what's important, the retirement you desire. That's where the good stuff happens. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. That's AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. That's what we do, and we do it for you, and we'd love to do it. Just head to that website, AnnexWealth.com, and click that Get Started button. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer, is here. Let's talk about that GDP number a little bit more. It came in at 2.4%. And Derek, I know you know you're our chief investment officer. A year ago, Q1, Q2 of 2022, we had negative GDP. If you look it up, that would signal a recession to some people. Um, that's way in the distance, right? We've left that behind. No signs of recession, the roving recession, the soft landing. What is it? I mean, it's it's a no landing. I mean, essentially, the, the economy is surprised skeptics. Um, we saw a strong increase in consumer spending, which makes some sense given the low unemployment rate and the fact that uh, housing, you know, the wealth effect is a positive influence on consumer spending patterns. We also saw a big jump in capital spending from businesses. Many of them, you know, probably got wrong footed. They were thinking we'd have a slowdown in the second half and they spent more than people expected. And then finally, we saw an increase in inventory. So a, a very strong second quarter, the forecast for Q3 are positive number as well. So it looks like we're 
we're going to avoid a recession in 2023, which is something a lot of folks did not believe would occur. The capital expenditures on the part of businesses, does that signal confidence with them? I know our regular consumer confidence is up. That's different. Well, it certainly does. And not only that, you know, the, the corporations have tons of cash. You know, they, they refinance, they, they issue debt when rates were very low. They're now receiving much higher uh, balances on their cash than they had previously as interest rates have risen from zero to roughly 5%. Uh, so typically, when you have a lot of cash on hand, you will use it and spend it in productive ways if you can find them. Globally, how is the United States stacking up versus the rest of the country? We seem to be emerging pretty well from this mess. I think we're doing better than Europe. Um, on the emerging market side, many of the emerging market countries had raised rates before the United States and saw inflation turned down earlier than we had. Have. Uh, so there's there's some strength in the emerging markets, places like the Philippines and India and Brazil. And then finally, you know, when, when we think about higher rates, one of the things that I've been surprised is at, at large companies, net interest margins are actually going up in the sense that they're getting more on their cash, they refinance at low levels, and that's been a tailwind for their profits. That is not as true for smaller cap companies that lack free cash flow, which is why, one of the reasons why one of the critical variables we look at when analyzing companies is the free cash flow yield they generate. What was it two months ago? There were so many problems within the banking industry. Uh, how are they now? Do you hear anything? Well, the earnings report from the banks were, were better than expected. Net interest margins have improved somewhat. And, you know, on the big companies, big banks are doing quite well. And we do expect some consolidation uh, from lower market cap companies. But all in all, the stress tests were reasonably positive. And as long as we avoid a recession, you don't really need to worry about loan delinquencies and bankruptcies. We've talked about a lot of the earnings that have come in, the ones that were fairly positive. Who's been hurt this quarter? And does it make sense? Well, I mean, broadly speaking, the companies have been hurt or those that aren't able to pass along price increases because we know on the cost side, wages are up. Uh, some of their expenditures are up, you know, raw material costs and the rest. So if they're not able to pass along those price increases, they've suffered as their margins have declined. But but generally speaking, uh, the earnings season has been really strong. The beat rates have been about average. The, the revenue beat rates about average. And this was a quarter where the expectation was S&P earnings would be down 9% year on year. Uh, but and it's two and a half percent X energy. And that's going to be better than that. We're not going to be down nearly as much as 9%. With this entire backdrop, how are we positioning portfolios? Well, as I mentioned, we're, we're focused on free cash flow yield in terms of our equity versus fixed income exposure. We're basically neutral. The reason is that the valuations of stocks are nowhere near as attractive as they were at the beginning of the year. The S&P is trading at roughly 20 times forward earnings, which is a fairly high number. Um, that reflects a lot of enthusiasm about 2024 earnings. And we're going to find out. I mean, many in many ways, I could see there are some tailwinds, emer I mean, headwinds emerging because the positive side of a stronger economy is it keeps inflationary forces in the economy. And that's something the Fed's going to be taking a look at. So perhaps they raise rates higher than people think currently, because there was an expectation at one time they were going to cut rates at the second half of 2023. And that is not going to happen. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Thank you. You're very welcome. How about this? The IRS has received more funding and they are putting it to use. What do you need to know? We'll cover that after a break on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. 
Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. The $1.7 trillion Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 increased the IRS budget by roughly $80 billion over 10 years for expansion and modernization efforts. What are we seeing so far and what can we expect to see? Our guy Eric Strom, always on top of this, he's the financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management as well as a CFP and an EA, an enrolled agent with the IRS. Eric, let's start there. What's an EA? An enrolled agent is similar to being a CPA. However, this credential is awarded directly from the IRS and it is the highest credential that the IRS awards. Enrolled agents have all the same rights to represent a client before the IRS, just like an attorney or a CPA would. Do you have a special phone number you can use? Yeah, but I can't really talk (laughs) about that. I bet you can't. The IRS says this funding has allowed the agency to, quote, dramatically improve services to taxpayers and aided its goal to continue to ensure that wealthy individuals pay their taxes. Let's tackle those goals in order. First, what did the agency say about improvements in its operations? Well, this is a big positive because there have been a lot of customer service complaints from the IRS, from both taxpayers, you know, all of us here as Americans and from professionals as well. But this year we saw an improvement. Janet Yellen had set a target of we want to see 85% level of service during the 2023 filing season. And we did actually see 87% achieved. So that's a big positive. We saw the IRS taking millions of more phone calls than the prior year. And this is great, Danny. They cut phone phone wait times down from 28 minutes to three minutes on average. And that's something that makes a really big difference. Um, And just more modernization and new scanning technologies and other improvements have been really welcomed. And by the way, IRS practitioners or those of us who actually call the IRS on behalf of clients, we were having those wait times as well. Holy cow. So have you noticed any of this? Oh, yeah. It's definitely improved this year. And not only in our own experience, but I uh, stay engaged with a lot of other professionals around the nation. And everyone has really noticed a big improvement. They've also worked through a lot of the backlog. There have been unbelievable backlog of returns not processed by the IRS. And a lot of that has improved quite a bit. Eric Strom is financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, CFP, also an EA with the IRS. The $80 billion increase in the IRS budget over 10 years for expansion and modernization. They had a decade of budget cuts that prevented them from keeping pace. And what the IRS labeled as the increasingly complicated set of tools the wealthiest taxpayers use to hide income and evade taxes. You know, that that's kind of a charged statement, but I guess it's true. So what, what's the progress there? They targeted 175 taxpayers that had income of over a million dollars a year, but these taxpayers had delinquent taxes that they owed. And the IRS was able to bring in already $38 million in recoveries from those people. And they kind of sang that from the mountaintops. They want everyone to know. And then the IRS commissioner used these words. This is just the start. That kind of does invoke some fear in some people. Okay, this is news to me. But what do you know about the schemes in like Puerto Rico and outside the U.S., specifically the little tiny island country of Malta, where evasion, laundering and false tax returns flourish? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because the IRS puts out what they call the dirty dozen tax scams. And both of what you just mentioned were on there. They're both pretty interesting. Now, with Puerto Rico, we actually have thousands of Americans who 
are living in Puerto Rico to specifically are really incentivized to go there to avoid paying federal income tax, including, by the way, Danny, dividends, capital gains, investment type income. And this is above board. You need to live there. I believe it's 183 days or more. So there are certain rules. But what's happening is that there are operators that are scheming and they're getting people who don't actually spend those days there claiming that they have this special exemption when they really don't. And this is happening in an organized fashion. So they are trying to crack down now on this fraud that's really happening out there with Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico and Malta, they're lovely places that you could spend a long time, but people are just aren't staying there enough. Right. right. But yeah. let me tell you about Malta, though, because it's pretty interesting. So what's happening there, we're seeing this, it's called a Maltese pension scam. So oh, what yeah. people are doing, people are actually, let's say, Danny, that you've been a really successful investor here in the U.S. Maybe you've got lots of appreciated holdings that you haven't paid those taxes on, but they're appreciated. People are opening up a pension in Malta, then contributing those appreciated securities to their Maltese pension, selling the securities within the pension, and then taking a distribution out. This is a way to completely evade the taxes. It is not at all legal, but it is happening a lot more than you might think to the point where it made it to that dirty dozen list. We do a lot of tax planning. What's the legit way to really reduce your taxable income? Well, there are many ways to legally avoid taxes, not evade. Notice we said avoid taxes and reduce taxes. First of all, the big question off the bat is, are you a business owner or not? Because business owners have tremendous additional power beyond non-business owners to have a lot of impact. There are many, many strategies depending on your entity and other factors for business owners. But even for non-business owners or retirees, there are a lot of ways that you can reduce taxes. First of all, you want to take a long-term view because many of us in retirement, taxes are the number one expense that you will have. Number one. Research shows that. With that in mind, there are long-term strategies, charitable strategies, of course, but also things like Roth conversions or gain harvesting, loss harvesting. These are bread and butter tax strategies that work really well, especially when viewed over a long term and repeated many, many years with that detailed ongoing tax planning. We do tax planning for our clients year round. We can do it for you. Head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Startup button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP and an EA with the IRS at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Danny. It's Sunday, June 30th. How does remarriage factor into estate planning? The Brady Bunch is going to help us with that next. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Is there anything sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Scientists have determined that sound has a psychological effect on golfers and that many evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes. Right after contact, you know. You may have the same sense about your financial plan. When you review what you own and why you own it and the date you plan on retiring, something doesn't seem, look, or sound right. Think of Annex Wealth Management as the swing doctors for your financial plan. We'll look at every component of your plan, including the goals you're swinging for, and give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. It may be you need to only tweak one part of your plan, or you may have to work on a missing component. When it comes to helping you get it right, talk to our pros. Contact Annex Wealth Management today. Set up a time to meet in person or securely online and get a free swing, I mean, portfolio review. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Jill Martin is an estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you. So we like to dot I's and cross T's here at Annex Wealth Management. When it comes to our clients, details matter. When it comes to estate planning, there are plenty of details to watch, including some gotchas that can come up with remarriages. To make things easier to keep track of, at least for me, we're going to use the Brady Bunch, kind of the classic American television story. There's Mike Brady, there's Carol Brady, Carol with three girls on her side, Mike Brady, and the boys on the other. You're familiar enough, right? Absolutely. Okay, good. If Mike Brady doesn't update his will after marrying Carol. Remember, they're they're putting the two families together for the bunch. And something happens to Mike. Everything could go to the boys if that's the way it was structured. Basically, Carol would be out. Is that right? Well, it's not quite that simple. So what happens, though, is, is anytime you have a remarriage, right, you need to revisit everything, whether it's beneficiary designations, whether it's your will, whether it's your trust, because divorce, what that does is it it automatically takes out that spouse who is now an ex. That's within your estate planning documents that doesn't apply to beneficiaries. So they may be treated as predeceased. So yeah, maybe it would go to the boys then, and but maybe he wants it to go to Carol. So what happens is, is it's a totally changed dynamic of this remarriage. So you really want to make sure that you're looking at your estate plan, looking at all your beneficiaries to figure out what's going to happen and what do I need to change. Right, because what he wants to happen, if it's not legally set, won't happen. Absolutely. And so that's the key. We can't just assume that the remarriage yeah. fixed it okay. or solved it. How about this slightly different scenario? Mike passes. And it's all left to Carol with the understanding that she'd provide for the children, including the boys. There's a possibility that might not happen, right? There's a big possibility that if, might if not Carol happen. If Carol was evil. Well, not even if Carol was evil. It could happen by just accident, right? Let's, let's look at two IRAs. Mike has an IRA. Carol has an IRA. If Mike leaves his IRA to Carol and Carol's beneficiaries on her IRA were only her three girls, she hasn't done anything to not provide for the boys, okay, right. but what's happened is is her beneficiaries are her three girls, and so that's where Mike's IRA and her IRA go. So we've disinherited the boys. Carol isn't evil in that she's done that, but that's likely not what Mike wanted to have happen. So that's where more planning needs to come in. Okay. Before they moved into that super cool 70s split level house, <laughs> right, an estate planning attorney needed to be in place. Not necessarily, really? but... Anytime you've got children from prior marriages and you come to a new marriage with assets or something, right, having some type of a marital agreement or a prenuptial agreement helps really outline how are we going to manage our new marital finances. And that's a really important step that some people don't undertake. But if you didn't do it before you got married, you can do it after. You can still contract with your spouse to say, these were my assets and I want them to go to the boys. And these were my assets and I want them to go to the girls. And here are our marital assets, which we'll split among the six of them. So there's things you can do after the fact, but sometimes it's easier to do it beforehand. In the case of the Brady Bunch, the kids were in middle school, high school-ish, and Mike and Carol's money was commingled. It was joint, correct? Let, let's, let's assume, let, sure. Let's assume, okay. So the kids grow up, they're in college, and then they moved out, and they're, they're totally empty nesters. Is there any obligation from either of those parents to do, to pass anything on to the kids? No. No. I mean, you as, a, as an individual with money can give it to whoever you want to. 
obviously when they're spouses, it's a little different because spouses have certain statutory rights to get money from a from a spouse who's deceased. That doesn't pass on to children, right? If all of a sudden, you know, Danny, you have two kids and you decide that you're not going to leave them a dime once you and your wife are gone, they don't have any legal claim to say, I should have gotten something from dad. Children don't have an inherent right to inherit. So if dad wanted that, he should have stated that and set that up. Yes, okay. absolutely. Right. Estate planning and remarriages, what are the gotchas we're using? The Brady Bunch is our family example. Here's one that might hurt the most. I think he got at it a little bit at the beginning. Failure to protect your estate from your first spouse. Now, in the Brady Bunch example, Mike Brady was a widower. Carol was divorced. If things weren't absolutely clean with beneficiary designations, life insurance plans, if Carol passed, first husband has a claim. Well, not a claim. So what you have to do there is is Carol needs to go back and look at her retirement account and figure out who the beneficiaries are. If her ex-husband was still listed, if she were to die, he's going to get that. That's where he would have a claim. Just because he's an ex-spouse doesn't mean he would have any authority. But if he's still listed as the beneficiary on her account, that's where he's going to get it. Now, he may decide, oh, I don't want it. Out of the goodness of my heart, I know it's going to go to my kids, my three daughters, right? Maybe he'd be okay with that but maybe he wouldn't be. And then all of a sudden, what did we just do? I like that you have hope because that's what the 70s had with the Brady Bunch. (laughs) Joe Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for jumping on. You're welcome. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Back with Ask Annex. Got a question? Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Ask button. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hello, Danny. Matt Morsey is Investment Team Manager. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. All right, first question. My grandson has an interest in the stock market. Would it be helpful for us to listen to earnings calls? And are there any you'd recommend that are informative and or interesting? I want to teach him but not bore him. He's 12. I've never listened to one. Are they informative? Are they long? They certainly can be. There's a lot of different apps where you can go straight to the company website to get access to earnings calls. You can skip through and find different areas that you want to hit. For a 12-year-old, you know, I'm just thinking find something that, that they're really interested in that they use themselves. You know, are they a big fan of Disney? Do they play sports? So, you know, maybe Nike or Dick, something like that, that they can understand a little bit about what they're talking about on the call and then maybe that might engage them through it. They're not going to be the most interesting calls, most interesting thing for them to do. But if it's a product that they use, again, maybe they have a Mac, you know, an Apple computer or an iPhone, maybe listen to an Apple call, something like that, that they can engage them. You know, I'd also maybe look at, you know, some of the different books that are out there too on the people who started those companies to give them an idea of how they started. And then the earnings calls might be able to supplement some of that while they're in it too, but I would keep it something centric to things that they use, that they're interested in, that they really like. Who gets to ask questions? Essentially, analysts get to hop on that call. We've got some, usually for us, it's smaller companies that we're a little bit more in tune to that our research analysts here on the team, Jason Cooper specifically, might be able to ask questions on those, put them out there. And, and especially the smaller the company, the less analysts are going to follow it. And you have a better chance to get in there, ask a question, really be able to engage them, whether it's on the call or maybe even outside of that too, by emailing them directly. Are the questions pointed? Does it get combative at all? 
It certainly can be, you know, especially if there's a bad quarter, you know, where a company is starting to struggle or they, they're trying to turn things around and things are just not going the way that, you know, the company wants or analysts are perceiving that it should be. They are going to start to get a little bit more pointed because if you think about it, the CEO, CFO, those who are going to be on that call are going to try to paint a rosy picture. They're also kind of a PR team for the company as well, too. But analysts are really digging into the numbers. They know this company is almost as good as the executives do. So if something's not quite right or they're not liking how something's sounding based on the numbers, that they're seeing, they'll certainly get into it. Yeah, and I would think 12 might be a little bit young for an earnings call, but I would instead direct them to Yahoo Finance. There's a section called the Key Statistics. You can learn a lot about a company's financials there. Trading range, 52-week high, low, PE ratios, dividend yields, when the company's reporting earnings, things like that. And that might be more interesting to be able to compare companies to companies. Pretty interesting that so a, a 12-year-old is interested in this, yeah, right? I love that. Right. Ask Annex, next question. Do I need an emergency fund if I'm confident I could raise cash if needed. Well, I think while having the confidence to raise cash if needed is a good thing, but I would still suggest and highly recommend having an emergency fund of at least three to six months of living expenses. Even if you believe you can raise that cash quickly, the time and effort involved in doing so during an emergency could be pretty stressful and overwhelming. Yeah, I think the key word there is emergency. You know, this is an emergency fund that's really there where you're going to need something right away. Maybe it's not in cash in the bank, but if you're going outside of that to generate that cash, what do you have to do to do that? Are you interrupting or disrupting your financial plan by doing so? Is that money that you have invested in the market? Yeah, you could turn it around and get cash within a couple of days for that, but are you paying taxes because there's a whole bunch of gains? Are there transaction fees that you need to worry about through that process? Is this going to wreck your financial plan because you put the money there instead of having it just readily available to be able to handle that emergency? But again, I think the key word there's emergency, what are you considering to be that emergency? You know, is it the car breaking down and you all of a sudden have a couple thousand dollars that you need to put into that car or something around the house that you need to replace that you weren't expecting? Those are things you really should have some liquid cash for that you're able to get at right away without disrupting anything else. Last question on Ask Annex. All of a sudden, my son-in-law is jazzed up about puts and calls. He's not that financially savvy. How easy will it be for him to get in over his head? Quick answer is very easy. Uh, puts and calls are in our types of options, and you could use them in a lot of different ways. You know, we talk about them here internally that they're, they're a tool that you can use within an investment portfolio in the right situation. But options are a derivative, which means that you're not buying and selling stocks directly. You're kind of playing on the outside of that. You're anticipating that a stock is going to move up or down to a specific price by a specific time. And the key to that is that that has to happen. Otherwise, you potentially lose the entire investment into there, which is very different than owning a stock. You know, if you own a stock and it's $55 a share and you think it's going to get to 60 by a certain time, if it only gets to 59, well, you're still up and you still own the stock. But if you bought a call on it saying that's going to get to 60 by a certain time to be able to buy it and it doesn't, then you lost the premium that you put into that option. So it is a lot more risky because it's a zero sum game to a certain extent. Also keep in mind too, that the custodians are going to have extra paperwork. There's a due diligence that they need to do on you in order to approve options, whether it's level of experience, uh, level of knowledge, things that they're going to look into for there. And options are not right for every single person. So that is something that is a little bit more detailed. There are some firms that did not do that as well as they probably should have, you know, Robinhood, for example, and there's lots of stories that you could find online with people using them the wrong way and getting themselves in a lot of trouble. So yeah, it is very easy to get in over your head and something that you have to be careful with. Yeah, and the big draw to those is they can be really cheap. Mm-hmm. So you can get a lot of exposure for very cheap. So that's a draw. Oh, I can buy this option for 10 cents and then they'll buy 
$1,000 worth and it ends up being worthless. So it's a very dangerous game to play the naked call input game. And you just need to know what you're doing. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. You bet. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we work with many different types of clients. One of our sweet spots is with business executives as we build teams who are really familiar with their needs. It's called Annex Executive. After a break, we're going to talk about it. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. What's keeping you up at night? That dripping sound in the attic? The check engine light? Maybe work stress? Or is it a general unrest over the state of your finances? Today's headlines don't help. It could be the nagging feeling that your investment partner isn't really a partner at all. They may be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's time for a top to bottom analysis of what you've got and where you're going. It's easy and there's no obligation. Seriously, head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Do that and our investment, planning, tax and estate teams swing into action. What's next is clear thinking from Annex that produces sound recommendations. And unlike others, we work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing for every client. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Joining us, Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Danny. You work with a wide variety of clients. Many tend to be executives and business owners, and they can tend to have specialized needs. We're going to talk about four key discussion points and what Annex Executive Program can do for these individuals. The first would be stock options, the need for a strategy for that. Yeah, so there's a lot of situations where folks work themselves up in their career and get to a point where they're issued stock options and not options as puts and calls, but the ability to purchase a stock at a given price at the corporation they work with. A lot of times they don't know what this means. How do you do it? What do I do? What is the strategy? So we come in and we work with these folks, help them lay out a plan because there's always the rule of thumb, right? Exercise two years from expiration or or things like that. But in reality, every situation is different. And we have the team and the tools to come in and say, well, this is your best option based on your tax plan, based on your earnings, based on what you've been issued. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Review and analysis year over year over year. And Annex Executive and the team we have is built to handle that every year. And how it works with their compensation and their entire plan. Correct. It's looking at it from a holistic, sometimes I say that seems cliche to say holistic, but in reality it is. It's a whole picture, compensation, potential deferrals, options, outside income, so maybe investment income, maybe rental income. How does that all fit and what does it mean? Probably leads us to our next thing to talk about, guidance for net unrealized appreciation, NUA. One-time planning opportunity, is that right? It is. It's all about hitting certain gates, and I use air quotes, gates as we call them here, because when you hit a certain threshold, you can do this. But if you maybe withdraw at a certain time, then it negates the opportunity. So it's being real cognizant of what you have, how you have it, how it's set up. There's a local company that we work with. There's a lot of folks that have been there a long time and the opportunity to purchase stock in their 401k has been offered to them. Maybe they've been there 20, 30, even 40 years in some instances, and they've been purchasing stock and it's appreciated in value. So maybe they purchased it and their total money put in is $100,000, but it grew to a million. Well, the IRS says you can pull that out and put it into an individual or a joint or brokerage account and get specialized tax treatment on that. But you have to make sure you hit those gates. 
And to do it right is incredibly important. Tax ramifications, there's tax opportunities, there's multiple layers that have to be watched to make sure it's done correctly. But when it's done right, the planning opportunities are huge. Well, here's the thing. They're busy doing their jobs, right? They might not even know how to track this, watch this. I mean, this is what the Annex Executive does. Exactly. Working with us, it's our job, one, to understand this. And internally, we've built out basically a step-by-step flowchart for us to build it out, track it, get it in place, and execute it, and then also get the supporting documentation to your CPA to make sure everybody's on the same page. Lots of plates are spinning. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager, CFP with Annex, joining us to talk about Annex Executive. That's a program and how it can help business owners and executives. We've got to talk about tax planning. We're not talking about getting returns done by mid-April. This is year-round stuff. Kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but tax planning is so critical from not just an executive standpoint, but a business owner standpoint. So yes, they're executives, but business owners, senior executives at companies, because there are so many moving parts to those compensations. When you look at flow through income from a business owner on maybe an LLC or an S Corp, or you look at stock options vesting, how do you handle that? How do you adjust? Are your quarterlies in the right spot? Something that we look at every quarter and how you really do it, the start of all of it is a paycheck. Then you annualize paychecks and it gets a lot more complex than that, but that's where you start and you look at it every quarter. And that way you have very few surprises, hopefully, come the following April. Annex Executive is a program that helps executives when there's questions about a number of different things. Deferred comp, that's got to be one of them. Deferred comp is probably one of the biggest questions we get. And the question is, how do I do it? How do we schedule it? How much do I do? And we walk through all of that. And the beauty of it is our planning software. Then once we start to figure this out, you can layer in the deferred comp with different payment schedules and look at it and see, wow, this is going to give me an income stream for X amount of time in retirement. Maybe it covers health insurance because I retired early and until 65. Maybe it covers the travel costs that we want to have, but we figure it out ties directly into the tax plan because how much you defer ties into taxes, which means you lower your taxes. All these opportunities are there and it's a lot of fun. It's complex, but Annex Executive is designed to work with these folks specifically and handle all these unique opportunities that they've worked hard for. Stock options, net unrealized appreciation, tax planning, deferred comp, business execs, business owners, put Annex Executive team on your site, handle those unique financial planning needs. Brandon, square in the middle of it with Annex ready to roll up his sleeves for you. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager and a CFP with Annex Wealth Management and part of the Annex executive team. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. It is Sunday, July 30th. Can you believe that August is right around the corner? Quick break. We're going to be back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hey, Danny. How are you? Not bad. According to a 2023 planning and progress study, a majority of Generation X are concerned about retirement. Xers were born between 65 and 80. 55% of them believe they won't be financially prepared for retirement. And Robert, I forget, are you a Gen Xer? 
I'm just before that. I'm 1963. Oh, okay. You're like me. You're one of the younger baby boomers. I'm a tweener. Tweener. Yeah, we're, we're, we're tweeners. Great. Let's talk about Gen X. What are some of the specific financial challenges that they face in their journey toward retirement? It's got to be kind of what the rest of us face, but they're different. Yes and no. You, you know, everybody, especially them, have to be looking at inflation concerns, outliving their assets, their debt load. I mean, if there's anything that can prevent you from retiring, quicker is a heavy debt load when you head into retirement. A shift from traditional pensions to savings-based plans like 401ks, that's affected their retirement readiness. I guess I'm old enough that I, you know, I had exposure to a little bit of a company that had a pension, but that's kind of gone for them. Most pensions have gone by the wayside now, you know, and 401ks are the uh, main appetite for retirement. And for 2023, you, if you're younger than 50, born 1973 or young or later I should say you can put away 22,500 if you're over 50 there's a catch-up clause where you can put away an extra 7,500 for a total of $30,000 pre-tax so if you are over 50 go after that catch-up and if you're not try and hit that 22.5 because with inflation it looks like we're going to need every penny of it yeah that's hard though because they're carrying this debt so how do you then do those catch-up contributions that that's one thing. How about Social Security? Is that on their mind? Everyone should be concerned about Social Security. If Social Security is affected, everybody will probably get a reduced benefit. What they're telling you and what you might get could be different. And remember, with advanced medicine, people are living longer. So plan is now more important than ever. And you have no idea where you need to get to if you don't know where you're starting. So financial planning is of the utmost importance now. You know, Robert, I've been reading a lot about these people that want to do this longevity stuff, that they want to live to be 120 or 140. We can barely get into our 80s and 90s and have our retirement paid for. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when people are living to 140? So it's interesting, you know, as I've said many times, my wife works in cardiology here in Naples, and she has probably two or three patients a week that are 100 or older. That's good. We're the Robert Chastain Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. So the catch-up contributions, anything else that they should really get at? You know, I mean, we kind of touched it on the first thing, cut that debt load, because I challenge every one of our clients, do you know exactly how much you're paying a month in interest expense? They kind of give you this look like, well, no, I've never, let's figure that out. And then once they know that exact amount, most of the times it shocks them. And then when you see that number, say it's $1,700 to $2,000, that goes for a lot of entertainment value. Maybe going out, taking your, your spouse out to dinner, doing a little bit of travel. That's a lot of interest expense. And if you can get rid of that, the faster the better. Two things. Number one, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach me at 239-350-6363. And the second thing is, is too hot for pickleball nowadays or are you you're all about football now? Uh, I'm still playing th three, four days a week, Danny. Uh, you have to be ready to rough football. And, you know, it's 90, 95 degrees on a Friday night for three hours. So, you know, being out, you know, out in the sun for two hours playing pickleball is a good workup for that. Going to high school football this fall. If there's a back judge who is not sucking wind, that's probably Robert Chastain. I take that all day you may. And, uh, you know, you got to have those electrolytes down here. There you go. Best way to get things going, folks, head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Danny. 
Okay, say if you retired during the pandemic and then you needed to go back to work, but you started taking Social Security, what do you do? We're going to talk about it because we have been through this with clients. That's coming up next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Is there anything sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Scientists have determined that sound has a psychological effect on golfers and that many evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes. Right after contact, you know. You may have the same sense about your financial plan. When you review what you own and why you own it and the date you plan on retiring, something doesn't seem, look, or sound right. Think of Annex Wealth Management as the swing doctors for your financial plan. We'll look at every component of your plan, including the goals you're swinging for, and give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. It may be you need to only tweak one part of your plan, or you may have to work on a missing component when it comes to helping you get it right. Talk to our pros. Contact Annex Wealth Management today. Set up a time to meet in person or securely online and get a free swing, I mean, portfolio review. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? When COVID hit and the world changed, a number of people weighed their options and decided to retire early. For many, it worked out. For some, not so much because as time went by and perhaps as reality and inflation set in, the decision was made to return to work. But what did that period of quote-unquote retirement do to their Social Security? That's what we're going to discuss with Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Eric. Hi, Danny. So we got a best-case scenario and we got a second-best-case scenario. I'm going to guess that those who never filed for Social Security when they did their temporary retirement, they'd be the least impacted. In fact, not at all. Yeah, that's right. Not only would there be no negative impact, but in fact, returning to work could potentially positively impact their benefit. Because remember, Danny, benefits are calculated by your highest 35 years of earnings. So if you're replacing some of those $0 years with actual work years, that could potentially increase uh, your benefit. And in addition to that, if you have not yet taken your social security, then that gives you the chance to meet with a financial planner to potentially optimize the strategy, especially if you're married, that can have a big impact. So if somebody took six months or a year off, you're still looking for the highest, right? So it wouldn't impact it so much. Exactly, because that social security is calculated with the highest 35 years of earnings. So going back to work could help your benefit get even higher. Okay, now, if somebody retired and they began taking Social Security, what are their options for returning to work? Well, if someone has not yet reached their full retirement age, which is typically between age 66 and 67, unless you actually undo your benefit, there's something, Danny, called the earnings test. So you actually can potentially lose some of your Social Security benefits if you earn too much when you're under that full retirement age. But if you receive benefits, you don't have to pay those back? or the, what, what, How does what that happens, work? Yeah, the way it works is you do your taxes, and then a little bit later, if you earned too much, you're going to get a letter in the mail saying your Social Security check is stopping. And they're going to stop it for long enough to recoup all the money that you lost to the earnings test. Okay. You mentioned full retirement age. How does it work then? Yes. So at that point, the earnings test actually goes away. So once you reach that full retirement age, you can earn as much as you want and you won't trigger that earnings test. However, the taxation of your social security depends on your other income. So going back to work could potentially increase the amount of social security that's subject to income tax. And that is your second best scenario. That's right. Okay. 
Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management, talking about early retirees and the impact on Social Security if they return to work. That phrase, lose benefits, come into play. That, that sounds scary. It does sound scary. We were talking about triggering that earnings test and actually losing benefits. But here's the good news. You don't lose it forever. If you actually end up triggering the earnings test, it can be a shock because suddenly that check will stop. However, when you reach that full retirement age, they actually pay that money back to you in the form of a slightly higher benefit every month moving forward. So the money is not lost forever. It's just delayed. Talking about Social Security, slightly off topic. I think I know the answer, but with our clients, is there a standard age that they begin to take Social Security? Or is that a, well, it depends. It does depend. Look nationwide. One out of every three Americans are taking their Social Security right at age 62. The next most common time that people take their benefit is right at that full retirement age. Now, when it comes to clients of Annex Wealth Management, it's a little more complicated because we're oftentimes doing a complex distribution tax and Social Security strategy. So it's very important to look under the hood a little bit and consider the details and come up with a strategy of when you want to take Social Security and why. Don't want to share any secret sauce, but is that optimization and that's what we do for our clients? Yes. We actually have social security specialists on staff that, believe it or not, Danny, there are courses that you can take on social security. So we have CFPs here at Annex who have gone through, believe it or not, these classes just specifically about social security, which is pretty complicated. We also use two different software planning packages that have pretty charts and they calculate break-even analysis and then we meld that into a client's financial plan to make the ultimate decision. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the good news. You don't have to take that course. We've got people that love doing things like that. We really do love it. (laughs) For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Eric Strom is financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you, Danny. Losing sleep lately? The job, the house, the headlines, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. This show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts, places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you came in late, maybe you want to hear it again because there's always great information. I'm Danny Clayton, Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management, now in the studio. You know, that Taylor Swift tour is pretty big, but so is the Central Bank World Tour. Can you explain (laughs) that? So earlier when we were in commercials, you were talking about the Central Bank and we've got the Fed, but then there are are there central banks? Yes. Yeah, and this was a pretty big week on that front. You had the Federal Reserve in the United States as our central bank. In Euro, in the Eurozone, so the group of countries where they have the euro as their currency, they have the European Central Bank. And in Japan, they have the Bank of Japan. And they all had policy meetings this week. Uh, they don't really coordinate their schedules like that. It's more of a coincidence kind of thing, but it does happen periodically. So it was a pretty big week when it came to those announcements. Uh, to, from my perspective, one of the most surprising things 
things was out of Japan. Um, they've been one of the few central banks, almost like last man standing. They have the are the last ones who are still doing like asset purchases, keeping their policy rate basically at zero. And they've been doing something called yield curve control. And all that means that instead of just targeting an overnight rate, uh, like in the United States, that would be the federal funds rate. Uh, they are also targeting the 10-year JGB, and the JGB it just stands for a Japanese government bond. So it's the bonds that their government issues. They've been trying to keep that basically at 0% as well. So 0% overnight, 0% at the 10-year, and they do that with some flexibility. And they, there was a press leak that they were going to tweak that a little bit, maybe relax it. Since all these other rates around the world are going up, it's becoming harder for their central bank to intervene to keep the rates so low. And that actually, I think, caused a bit of a sell-off in the U.S. markets on Thursday. Because it's like, oh, if they're the last man standing, is this anchor, this global anchor for interest rates going away? And comes to find out that they're saying, no, they're not really normalizing policy yet. They're not changing it. They're just making some modifications. But it is a prelude to eventually them even getting off zero when it comes to rates. Does China have a central bank? They do, yes. The People's Bank of China is their central bank. It's a little bit more closely tied in with the rest of the government. And so it's interesting in the United States and in Europe, our central bank tends to be insulated from like the treasury. They try to be insulated from politics as far as fiscal spending. In Japan, it's a little bit different. Um, it's more closely coordinated with their treasury. And in China, it may as well just be another arm of the communist government. Can you believe what comes out of China? I mean, I, their GDP has been what in the sixes, eights? I mean, they've been doing very well. But, but can we believe that? Uh, no, uh, not really. I think directionally it's correct, but as far as we don't take the magnitude too seriously. Um, years ago, there was a particular indicator that one of their uh, governors actually said that he watched because he didn't even trust their numbers. He said, let's look at electricity demand. Let's look at what's going on with exports and imports. And we can trust the export numbers as far as we know what we import from China. So their export to the United States is our import. So we can kind of um, calibrate what they're saying. But for the most part, do we trust it? Eh, directionally, it's more like a communication tool. Is the government serious about stimulating their economy or trying to slow it down? And right now they're going through an issue where they feel like they need to do a bit of stimulus. So if they take the paddles and shock the chest of, of China, what does that do? Because we sort of kind of did that here in and then we suffered through inflation. That's true. Uh, and, you know, they've been going through very low inflation. And so if they do shock the paddles, and I do like that as an analogy because it's just to get the heart pumping again. It's not something you can do again and again. It's probably going to have some ripple effects, mostly positive, And they could actually use a little inflation over there. They've been having much lower inflation than we have here in the United States. Use a little inflation, right? <laughs> I didn't think we'd hear that around here, but that is that's over there. Let's talk about our GDP in our final minute. A two point four number 
okay. Yeah, it was pretty healthy. 2.4% real GDP is actually maybe the run rate for what you would expect to see in a healthy economy. And so that was a pleasant surprise. Um, It's not a sign of overheating. Some of the strength that I really liked was with equipment spending by businesses. Some of that could be from the Inflation Reduction Act, some stimulus there, but also it takes confidence to sink money into new equipment. And so maybe business confidence is beginning to pick up. And rest up because it's going to be a big week next week. Just real quick, what do we got? Yeah, we've got the employment situation report. That's the really big one. ISM numbers. So a really exciting week. It's the first week of the month, which is almost like a holiday for every economist when it comes to all the uh, treats that we get in terms of data. Have a nice holiday. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, folks, if you're not getting the level of comprehensive advice you need, want, and deserve, make a change. It only takes a couple of minutes to get the conversation started. Click that Get Started button at Annex Well. We're going to be back here next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.